when we address issues or departments one after another. For example, right now, most of our focus is still on property management and leasing because a few months back it was on construction. So we take bite sizes, right? Hello and welcome to Pillars of Wealth Creation, where we talk about creating financial success with a special focus on business and real estate. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. Now, let's get to it. Hello and welcome back to Pillars of Wealth Creation. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer, with me today. I'm excited to have uh, Vikram and Princey. How are you guys doing today? Good, how are you? Great, Todd. How are you doing? I am doing excellent. I'm excited to have you guys on talking a little bit about what you have going on and, and then the advice you're able to give our audience. So a little bit about Princey. Uh, she's the co-founder of Wahi. Did I say that right? I asked you yes. before the show. All right. Wahi Capital. Uh, her core strength, her, her focus is on the financial operations. Prior to founding Wahi Capital, Princey spent 14 years in Silicon Valley designing and implementing one of the largest and most complex financial management systems ever created called SAP, S-A-P. Um, and then there's all kinds of other crazy stuff. And we'll talk a little bit about that as we get into it. Vikram, he is the also the co-founder, of course, of uh, Wahi Capital. And uh, prior to establishing the company, Vikram held executive positions and managed the fiscal operations of startups in Silicon Valley, and a little interesting note that we were talking about before the show, they are home, their home is in the San Francisco Bay Area, and they've got two kids, but right now, they're living in Tucson, they're taking a summer vacation in Tucson, like normally you would go somewhere for winter in Tucson, but of course, COVID hit, and uh, they said, hey, school's out, we're going to go to Tucson where, where our properties are. And we're going to be more hands on the, you know, feet on the ground uh, during this time and be able to spend some time here. And of course, I'm sure get to know the area a lot better. And I think that's a really cool thing that you guys are able to do. So let's dig in. Let's uh, tell our listeners a little bit more about who you guys are, what your company is all about, and, uh, and then I'll fire away at questions. Sure. Great. So, um, so I'll take start and then you can help me wherever I'm, I'm slipping. So a little bit about Y Capital. So we, we formed the company in 2019 uh, and then it, we had started in Tucson investing in Tucson and multifamily in 2017. And when we started, we found out it was supposed to be a passive, you know, business, mm -hmm. like just like everybody else go enjoy yeah. the beach. Uh, yeah. That dream didn't last too long. It was uh, within three months we were, uh, Prince, told me if we need to be in this business, we need to fire the property management company real quick, uh, get on, uh, start taking control of the operations. Uh, she's like, we've been doing it for other companies for 20 years. It's time to do it for ourselves. So, uh, so very interestingly enough, from uh, very quickly from passive to active to property management, and then we focus on a value add product uh, because we believe completely in, um, in it being recession proof to a, to a lot extent, you know, because you're appreciating the value of the properties rather than, you know, focusing completely on the market appreciation to happen. You're just organically bringing those, not organically, but you're forcing that into the properties for those renovations and bringing it to the market rents and we're pushing them even higher. So we, we had this dream. And so we, uh, sp uh, you know, spoke to our contractor, we got them in and, and we, we ended up building out a vertically integrated business. And one thing we, we went out to do, seeked out to do was to make sure 
that whatever we are doing is good for uh, good for us, good for the investors, good for the tenants, and it's is for the greater good of the community and, and the neighborhood. And uh, so the biggest challenge we faced as soon as we made that decision is how do you control the costs? And that's where Princey stepped in because she's the financial person. <laughs> yes. Um, so yeah, the first property that we acquired back in 2017, it was 45 units seller financed and rest of the money is me and Vikra. We pretty much brought everything to the table. and. And then we wanted, we knew, uh, we sat down, it was a Sunday morning, I clearly remember um, on an island, and we're like, what do we What do we want, right? What do we want to give? First, it's always like, before you think about getting, you always have to think, what, what are you going to give? And we're like, you know, we clearly want, um, we want to enrich lives. We want to make sure that tenants have a safe and a healthy home to live in. Um, then the next question was, this is all very good and then fancy, how do we get there? And then we, we um, based on our backgrounds, our companies have, um, you know, source operations, source materials from overseas. And we, it was just natural, it just occurred to us. We were like, we can do this. Um, uh, I don't know if it was naive or whatever, but we were like 45 units, we can still pull this. Um, I designed all the kitchens three times because <laughs> the layouts were as such. And then we ordered the kitchen cap, like even with 45 units with all our monies in, we, we went ahead and we ordered the containers for flooring and for cabinets. And, and we started understanding the product even more, understanding the health issues that come with, you know, selecting one type versus another and how, so for me and Vikram, it's always been, what do we want and how do we get there in the most cost-effective way, right? Yep. So yeah, we started importing and to an extent now we have our own private label. Um, manufacturers manufacture just for us because we want to keep a consistent look. So it's more like a um, you know a partnership that we have with the manufacturers when it comes to flooring and for cabinets. Yeah, and so pretty reasons. much that's exactly how Body Capital was born. And you know, we from there we are like, okay, we figured this business model out, and and we were going to continue to take it on. So that's a little bit about Body's background. That's awesome. That's great. So you guys bought that 45 unit and you bought that yourself. Uh, since then, have you, have you bought more units? I'm assuming yes. Uh, and have they all been yourselves or have you included other partners, private investors? Uh, how does how the business model look right now? Sure. So we, um, so the 45 units we bought ourselves and then we, we, there was a 19 unit right next to it. We were, you know, getting all this, um, not so high quality tenants out of our apartments and they were moving in right next door. So, <laughs> it was still our headache. <laughs> so, so the problem was really not going away. So you're like, we gotta go buy this property. And then the seller knew we, we, you know, we, we had to buy it. You know, they, they knew pretty much. It was the same owner uh, as our current 45 units. And then when the negotiations, it so happened that he, uh, the other, his has other portfolio that came up and, uh, and then the pricing made sense to buy the entire portfolio rather than just go for just those 19 units, mm -hmm. yeah. And we we ended up working out that deal, so we bought a 40 unit portfolio. Um, actually, uh, it was a 59 unit, yeah, yeah. So somewhere on that, and then the uh, then we closed another deal a few months later. Uh, it was a small 14 unit close to our 45 units. It was a beautiful property. It was a pocket listing, uh, you know, that that we got. We were working with brokers, and they brought that listing. It just made sense to uh, take the operational uh, you know cost benefit analysis and just buy it so we, we bought that and then um, and then we get to a point where like uh, do we, we we were pretty much you know out of our capital and we were like 
do we wait until refining these other properties or should we go ahead and, and look into syndication? We had, we had invested in a couple of syndication earlier on and uh, during the process and then we, we were becoming more and more aware and that's where we uh, kind of made a decision. It was, we got a very good opportunity uh, through the broker relationship as well. And this was the, this was the only listed property that we have ever purchased. Um, but anyways, we, we syndicated that deal that was in March of 2019. Uh, Princey exited uh, her W2 job and she got into full-time uh, real estate at that point. And then we uh, syndicated another 107, uh, 107 units last December we closed. So those are the two deals. And uh, we, are, we are blessed enough to be under contract on another uh, property right now, even in COVID times. Uh, with pre-COVID, um, with a very, um, it's a value deal. We've been talking to the seller for about a year and a half. And it's it's at a pricing where even, um, you know, the, uh, the bridge lenders have come out of the woodworks to help us fund that deal. So it's 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 been pretty interesting the last yeah, few years. It's, uh, it's, it's going to be our biggest undertaking till date. It's 174 units. Uh, 76. 176. <laughs> it comes with a tennis court. We don't know what we'll do with that. So, <laughs> yeah, but, um, but yeah, dog we're very, park. yeah. What was that? Dog, dog, dog park. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. That's <laughs> An open workout area. You know, yeah, yeah. Sport yeah. court or something. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and, and it's interesting you said that the, the bridge lenders are actually it, it still into the deal because bridge lenders kind of everywhere pretty much gone to the wayside. So that does tell you the strength of the deal. If you guys have bridge lenders that are still interested. Uh, I've talked with several people over the last uh, couple of weeks, three, four weeks that they had everything lined up. They were planning on closing and then the bridge lenders pull, pulled the plug on their deal. Um, you know, we were looking at a deal. Uh, and this one was very, very uh, needed bridge. I mean, it, it, it was uh it was 12% occupied, um, right. you know, and so bridge lenders, though, said, no, nope, sorry, not now because of what happened. And we were practically getting it for free um, and it still didn't work. Yeah. So these bridge right. lenders were just, they're just not out there. So uh, that kudos to you for finding a good deal that, that works with bridge lenders. That's awesome. Yeah. No, exactly. We were also a little surprised when uh, we started getting the traction. We thought, we had to get this can down the road, you know, a few months. Actually, and yeah, and then the seller was, um, because we've been working with him, What, why he gave this off-market deal to us really was because he believed in our model, what we are building here. And he came out and he wanted to seller finance as well. So now we have actually two options. One is to get a seller <laughs> finance, the other is bridge. But the bridge is giving us 100% of the construction loan, where our, most of our strengths. Yeah. And upstairs, so we we are leaning towards going with it. Yes. Yeah. Well, you're gonna have to talk to me after the show because I'll tell you how you can maybe even finance with seller financing better terms in the bridge loan. So we can talk about that. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Let's yeah. talk about that. Yeah. There's just a lot of ways to get creative, and you know, seller starts to offer seller financing, and it might be a, a good opportunity for you to get involved in that. And obviously it takes some of the risk that a bridge loan has off of the table, which anybody listening, um, really anytime you get a loan, whether it's a bridge loan or whether it's just a loan from the lender, any kind of lender, uh, it creates 
risk, right? It just carries its own inherent risk and bridge loans probably more than uh, many others. So if we can get creative and figure out how to work with the seller, that might be a great option. Um, so man, what a journey, uh, pretty, pretty crazy, uh, and exciting, I'm sure. Right. At the same time. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, but you, you've now created this business vertically integrated. Uh, you're doing the property management, uh, you're doing the project management, right? You're doing the construction management. And we're doing the renovation in-house. Yeah. yeah. All, all the renovation. In all the oh, renovations. Okay. Other than trades. That's great. Yeah. The trades are something that we farm out, right? Yeah. Everything, basic renovations, everything else yeah. is all done in-house. That's great. That's great. Uh, and you're doing it all from out of state. Well, right now you're in state, but from right. out of state. Um, let's talk about some of these like systems that you have put into place. Like how have you done it? Because I know myself being an out, I invest out of state. It's difficult to have everything together and then to think about having your own property management company and doing a lot of the project management. That's very difficult to do. So let's talk about some of the systems that you guys have put in place and, and how you've done it. Maybe start from some of the basics. Sure. So, uh, you know, just to give a little bit of the background, when we first uh, invested in 2017, uh, I was traveling every Saturday I would fly out. Uh, to Tucson, where we would walk the properties. We had the benefit of having uh, the construction in-house was we uh, kind of moved the schedule around. So like the team was working uh, Saturday, Sundays, they were taking Monday, Tuesdays off so I could spend you know the weekend with them and then make sure everything was going great. So with one property, property management is not, a, is not you know, it didn't consume too much at that point. It was highly touch point. We had a property manager. We were in touch. We had the processes, the regular basic processes down. So it was not a big deal with just one. As we continued to grow, it definitely, uh, you know, became challenging uh, to say the least. The one day trips became two day trips to, you know, two and a half day trips. And in 20, I think in, that was 2018, we were doing all of that. And 2019, uh, it was just not possible for us to, uh, you know, do it uh, based on the weekend trips and everything else. And that is where Princey transitioned. And then she traveled, um, I think, how, three to four days a week easy. Last year, she was uh, 45 days out of, 45 weeks out of the year she was here in Tucson uh, every single week. You just have to, when you're building a business, building a team, you know, there are things in your head that you want to communicate out to the team. And it takes a daily, daily meetings, daily efforts, right? To get that we are in it together. Yeah. We are building this business and we are making sure our properties are running the way uh, we envision them. So, yeah, yeah. so we, we knew what we were getting into and we were okay to travel. And, and yeah, we, either me or Vikram, we bounce off each other and we do travel to our properties every week almost so that's the FaceTime, right so FaceTime is very very important especially when the end of the growth phase and you're doing like three four businesses in one mm -hmm. so it, it gets complex pretty quick so to streamline i've been running operations for manufacturing companies for the last 20 years so we took a leaf out of those uh, you know that experience and we have morning meetings so every morning our construction guys get together whether we are in um, whether we are in Tucson or, or whether we are in San Francisco or even when we were traveling to the best ever, like so we were on phone calls every morning doing the morning meeting. So we have a 60 day plan out. So we know exactly what we're doing for the next 60 days. And then it's a daily meeting is just making sure we are on track. Um, so I leverage a lot of my lean manufacturing experience 
and I'm bringing it in into the uh, into the renovation side of the business plus the property management side, the rigor of it. And then Princey is taking the automation and then the technology into the into the leasing and the property management. Maybe you can speak a little bit about that. Yeah. So uh, what we do again, touch points are very important as you're starting out and as you're growing because you want to make sure everybody's aligned and, and as issues come, they those get handled and tackled uh, in a timely manner. So yeah, we have we have outsourced most of our leasing. So there there is a there is a team that takes that first phone call because as we were as we were getting in more and more into multifamily, we realized. That, where are the issues? And then what me and Vikram do is we go and we address issues or departments one after another. For example, right now, most of our focus is still on property management and leasing because a few months back it was on construction. So we take bite sizes, right? So we go in and we say, okay, this department needs to be more stabilized. Let's go and address all the issues and see how we can um, address the issues and automate the processes so that even if we unplug ourselves out of it, the team is still running and nothing, you know, just falls apart as soon as we get out. So yeah, we le- do leasing. We we do virtual. We use virtual assistant for our leasing first phone calls. Um, we we also use them to post on Craigslist, post on Facebook, and all of that. And then the the job of the property managers are to do the actual showings, take care of the customers, be there in the office, right? Be So that, that's actually a very interesting point. So, you know, just to emphasize the thing, one of the biggest things when we saw when we were looking at uh, into the multifamily was if you go to apartments.com or anywhere else and you start looking at the most common complaints across properties, you would see is like, nobody answers my phone. You know, yeah. we, we saw that right away. It's like, yeah. it's a very challenging job for a property manager to be answering the phone calls, you know, looking at, uh, you know, people, prospects walking in through the door, making sure the maintenance guys are on top. It's just way too much on one, one table. It's, yep. and we, we recognize that early on and we're like, okay, we got to take this call and just make sure we, somebody can answer the phone. So that's where the virtual model had come in. And then we have bilingual, uh, you know, Tucson has very high uh, Hispanic population as well. So, so we, uh, we have bilingual folks or anybody. So we are not dropping any leads coming in. So they come in, we pre-screen them to a certain extent. They put it, they schedule those things on the calendars. The property managers pick up from there and then they can focus on the customer service and tenant retention, maintenance work orders, which is which is much more high value add. Yeah. And with these VAs, like, is it just like your typical VA, you know, somebody from wherever, the Philippines or, you know, wherever, or what? It, how did you find the VAs? <laughs> so, um, so we, uh, so we tried Philippines to be very honest early on. The, the biggest challenge was the, uh, was finding somebody who was bilingual, especially Spanish. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then we realized where we are as an industry, it's very important. So we, uh, we were very fortunate enough to source somebody from Mexico. So we fought, okay. uh, got our first VA from Mexico and then we had just grown the team over there. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh, that's been working out amazing. The internet speeds are great. The, the hours, are, the great. hours are great. It's not hours. We can yeah. talk to them. We can yeah. have those daily meetings with them as well versus either yeah. they're sacrificing their family time or we are doing yeah. this, right? Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, Mexico seems like, a, or really South America, Central America seems like a, a pretty good fit because as you said, the time zones and obviously if you got a, a Spanish or Hispanic uh, tenant base, you know, that's, that's valuable too, right? <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. It's, it's, it's huge. Yeah. Awesome. So, yeah. It's, but that's uh, what we've been doing. Our oldest yeah. VA has been with us for the last two years. So, you know, that just speaks. Oh, so. that's great. 
yeah. we just keep on building on onto the team as we grow. So, uh, I, yeah, and I really like that approach. Um, now, questions though, you you kind of are going a different route than all the gurus teach, right? The gurus tell you to buy these apartments and then hire third-party property management companies and hire contractors and um, and then you grow exponentially by doing that, right? That's kind of the, the method. That's, right? the that's, yeah. that's the magic formula. <laughs> but you said, that's not what we're going to do. We're going to vertically integrate. We're going to be heavily involved. We're going to take these weekly trips out to uh, our market. And in your living in San Francisco, and instead of investing in San Francisco, you're investing in another market uh, for good reasons, I'm assuming. Um, why didn't you hire it all out? Why, why go this route? Why is this route the, the right answer for you versus the third-party property management? Yeah, so there's, there's an analogy that I love to use. You know, uh, you know, buying a multifamily asset is a multi-million dollar deal. You know, you, you buy a brand new, maybe the thing is you buy a brand new Mercedes and give the keys to, to some, you know, a, a regular third party, you know, I'm, you got to understand. I know taxi driver. Exactly. You got to go to taxi driver, right? There are amazing companies out there in the tier one cities and tier two cities, absolutely. But when you start getting into, uh, you know, the lower tier twos or the tier three cities, it's, it's very challenging and property management is one aspect of the business that can make or break your business. That's yes. directly controls your property. You don't. Yeah. And there's nothing you can do. You can throw money at it. We tried doing that. For first three months, we had a uh, property management company. We literally wrote big, uh, you know, checks to them and we got a tons of receipts. I'm not saying that they were taking it away, but it's very, very difficult to understand how come over properties income, we were still cutting these big checks. And as soon as we took over, the cash flow just went neutral. All of a sudden, we were not burning any cash. So, yeah, you know, that tells you the power of controlling, like if you're controlling the property management, how much you're controlling. And another, another big thing is it's a, it's a multiplier. For us investors, it's a multiplier, right? You, 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 add, a, you add a dollar, you're going to multiply it by 10 times or six times. Mm. For property management, it's a 3% of that dollar. So mm. the, the, to look at it, you know, there's a, it's a whole different perspective that we as investors bring to a property. We, we hustle hard. It's a, it's a very tough business. It's, it is not an easy business. It's not something I would do for anybody else. And I think, um, but I would never, I think we, we would never give this out neither. Oh, yeah. Now that we have, we have known how instrumental it can be into the controlling the project and getting a project to where it can be. Just, um, just imagine the, um, the speed with which you can move, right? And, and, and speed equals money is just, you don't have to talk to regional, you don't have to send an email, regional doesn't have to talk to the property manager, you pick up the phone, you call them, say, I want this apartment turned, uh, this much as budget is approved, go ahead and do it. Within five minutes, you have made that decision and made that the property manager is making that phone call versus a property, uh, you know, third party property management and everything else, it, it's, it's, it's layers. It's just different, many layers you have to go through and it just slows everything down. And of course, you lose some of the communication as you go down the layers as well. Yeah, yeah. Um. And we really did, uh, we have always built on things, right? Even in our professional careers, we have started from the bottom and gone up by just hard work. And it was just, 
it was very natural to us. We literally <laughs> looked at each other, we got to do this ourselves, you know? <laughs> so you're running, when you've been running operations, financial <laughs> or regular operations for that long, it's very difficult to hand that key to somebody that else. That baby to somebody else, you're like, no, <laughs> I got yeah. this. I like it. I like it. One of the things that the interesting you you talked about is the importance of those touch points, and I think that's so true uh, for for anybody. Whether you're using third party property management, doing it yourself, using the you know outside contractors, doing it yourself, it doesn't matter. Those touch points are so important, um, and that relationship building. Talk to us about you know how, how you've seen your success touch points uh, by by being in the market by being you know, boots on the ground in that market every single week. How has that helped expand your success in the market? Not only just with the properties and their performance, but also with uh, even even access to those properties and financing and so on. Yes, yeah, so uh, we always talk about this. We are um, in people business, right? Right now we have um, 23 plus employees um, in our company. Most of Most of the time we are doing people management really right you're, yeah. you want to make sure you're talking to them you want to make sure you're helping them out with their professional and their personal lives in general and you just got to bring that passion what people are really looking for is someone to hear them out right and after they know that there's someone who's hearing me out then they start to open up and then they start to flourish it's it's very so what we do is we bring people in uh, and then we train them in different trades, right? We do cross training, we build a team, build it strong, and then we say, now let's go build three more of these teams that they can have multiple skills and they can, you know, turn units faster. So, yeah, we, um, and so, so that's where the touch points are very important. Uh, so internally, they're definitely, and it's active feedback. So every every week we have standing meetings with all our uh, key property managers, the main players in the construction side. Yeah. So we have those weekly touch points where they're, we are able to discuss. And one of the first things we discuss is, how are you doing? It's not about how's property doing or what is doing. It's like, how are you doing? How can, what, what can we do to help you, right? That's the first thing. And that you know, sets the tone for the rest of the meeting. We, we are able to connect with them, which if you are remote, is not really always possible. You can still do it over the phone, but there is still something to a human presence. So that is very important. And that's that's definitely one of our biggest points why we want to keep coming back to Tucson. We want to be physically here with the team. Yeah. And, 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 uh, and then just giving them active feedback. The fastest feedback we give, the faster they, you know, uh, steady, the, steady the boat, the faster they move forward. So that's, uh, those are, un, um, you cannot put in value to that. So, so that's definitely one of the key points. And outside of, of employees and the business, it's uh, knowing, you know, we constantly go around the area. So we are, we are hyper-focused in where we invest. And so we, are, uh, we have picked out the areas where we know this is the growth is happening, this is where it's going. And we actually look for properties as we drive around. So we, every opportunity I have to drive between the different properties from, you know, where we are staying around, we take a different route. And when we take a different route, we discover these different properties uh, and then talking to the local brokers and everything else. So now after two and a half years, we pretty much know uh, kind of which properties are where, what's happening. They've been trending where the pricing has been going, which is pretty instrumental. And then being local on the floor, we know exactly, uh, at least from outside, what are the things that a property needs. So when it comes to underwriting, we are, we are able to write it faster. We are able to write it uh, really well uh, and be able to visit the property even before doing official tours and stuff. So that is also huge being in the local market. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of big advantages to either being in your own local market or making sure your boots on the ground. One thing I've really noticed, and as I've talked with people on my podcast, brokers, um, one of the big things they want to see is they want to actually know who they're dealing with. They they feel a lot more comfortable because they, they look these these residential brokers they get a listing and they're just trying to sell it as quickly as they can. Or somebody sends a letter that says from a bank that says they can buy it. Good, that's all we care about where a commercial broker they've got one shot at that property uh and if they bring the wrong buyer they're probably never going to get a shot at that again and there's several hundred thousand dollars that is gone that they will never see again and they worked really hard at trying to get that property trying to get that seller to say okay yeah you can list it or you can go shop it even if they don't even have the listing so they want to make sure they know who they're bringing that deal to and if you aren't spending time in that market, if you're not getting to know the brokers, they're not going to recommend you for a deal unless you can show them a big, huge proof of funds and they know that you're multi-multi-millionaire and you'll close on the deal regardless. But for the most part, for most of us, they're not going to take you serious unless they actually meet you. And one big advantage of what you guys are doing is that you're actually meeting people. And you're getting to know them. And I love the driving back and forth these properties and taking a different way. That's one of the biggest things that when I'm getting to know a new city, uh, it, it doesn't, anytime I'm going to look at a property, I'm not taking the freeway. Unless I absolutely have to take a freeway, I'm going to take it for the smallest little bit as I possibly can to get onto the side roads and take a different way there. It might take me 45 minutes versus 15 minutes, but it gets me to understand what's going on in the city areas. I want to be in areas. I don't want to be in properties that might become available. You know, it really is important. So tons of great stuff. You said there, I would suggest anybody that is interested in, in this, just rewind it, like listen to it five times. Cause you guys gave so many big nuggets that everybody can take out uh, and apply to their business as well. I want to hit on um, some mistakes you guys have made. Cause certainly everything hasn't been perfect. Uh, <laughs> maybe, yeah. maybe you've made a mistake along the way. So let's just pick out maybe one mistake and how have you actually learned from it and now implementing the, the lessons that you've learned into your business today? So you're, you're laughing like, Oh, we got a lot. To talk about. <laughs> so many of them. Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, as you hit it on the head, like any, any businesses starting up, uh, starting out early, and they, we all make mistakes. And we, even when you're becoming bigger, we, we make yeah. mistakes. It's just that how impactful it is. And, you know, uh, I've been working for startups for the last 12 years. Uh, one of the things that we uh, we say in the startup world is you fail fast, fail early. You know, you want, you want to do that so that you learn those lessons and you continue to, you know, innovate from there. And then another one, of course, you know, if you're not failing, you're not learning, obviously, because you're not, you're not staying within your bounds. So... We got this value add deal, the first 45 units. It was uh, about 55% occupied on paper. Um, and it was 45%, uh, uh, you know, uh, being uh, economic occupancy were around 45%. Yeah. And then uh, when we got in, we started finding out that these guys were actually, some of them were not paying. They were just, you know, it was it was just a bad problem, right? So we, uh, we had made the we knew exactly what we were getting into because we knew the exact area we had surveyed it. We had watched it at different times of the night. You know, we would come in, uh, we would watch it at like nine o'clock, seven o'clock, midnight. Midnight, I would step out, go walk, go walk to the property, see what's happening because that was our first deal, right? It was yeah. 
it was pretty unnerving at that time to go buy, uh, you know, a 45 unit deal in a different uh, in a different market and that to a value add, which you knew had, you know, some rough tenants in it. Yeah. We wanted to gauge an idea. So, so you know, with us, we, are, we, we have a little higher risk taking, uh, you know, uh, a cushion or, or, or that's that we, we're a little bit of high risk takers. Yes. So for us, it's like how big of a risk is it? It's always a question of quantify it. So once you quantify a thing, it's, it's solvable after that. And so for us, we're like, okay, we're going into this building. How big of a problem is this? So we, we kind of identified, I now I've honestly forgotten some of the apartment numbers, but until late last year, I kind of knew uh, the apartment numbers that we, had, we knew were causing a lot of the problem in the property. And, and there was some, uh, you know, some drug trafficking going on. There was some, some other, other stuff going on, which was not quite so legal. So we yeah, went you in. Bought, you bought a fun one. No, it was it was absolute fun. You know, it was <laughs> with olive trees. I, I, <laughs> I don't think you could you could do any worse than that. <laughs> Maybe there, there there's a couple ideas, but but it was right up there. And then uh, we evicted the tenants, and once we got the evictions done, the people moved out. We actually didn't have much trouble doing that, because what 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 I've seen is as soon as people realize that you're not going to accept that kind of uh, behavior or yeah, that kind of they don't want to be there. They leave. Yeah. Yeah. I, we have never had problem with any of those t- tenants. We have a problem with tenants who are a little bit entitled. Yeah. Somehow, they, yeah, they're, they're more powerful problem than you know, truly, uh, truly the tenants who are doing illegal stuff. So uh, we got the property down, we got a 20% occupancy and we are like, let's uh, renovate the units. Uh, and so we are looking at basic renovate, we are looking at renovation. We are like, okay, this side of the building is empty. Let me go ahead. I'm getting a better deal at demo. Let me just demo all of them at the same time, right? So classic mistake, never do that. And then the, the, property, the property management company, they had been let go. You know, they reported stuff to the city. Something happened. The city came in, shut us down because we took off a small piece of the wall that had an electric, electric conduit running through it. That was the only reason we needed, needed to get a sketch done and somebody to approve it. Otherwise, in the city of Tucson, it's beautiful. You don't need permits for basic renovation. So uh, to get that, you need an engineer, to, to an architect, to get an architect. You finally find an architect. We finally found he had to go search for an engineer. Phoenix was overheated. Everything was, it was tough to get anybody in here. So we shut down for about four, four months. We couldn't, wow. people, we couldn't renovate any units. And four months at 20, 20% occupancy, we were burning, I think, $20,000 a month. Yeah. Our, our, uh, you know, everybody else right out of a pocket. And we came to a point where we were like, there was a 30 day gap. We didn't have cash. I'm like, where do we get those, you know, $20,000 from? So of course, you know, when I'm in trouble, I call Princey. So she's our financial, uh, financial, uh, you know, excellence for no reason. So I called her, she figured it out. You know, we went ahead, opened the credit cards. We had saved our credit uh, scores. We had, we had, we had great credit score. We were able to get, uh, you know, the cash that we needed to get those get by that month. Oh man! And, we, and then we closed the fifty-nine unit portfolio the next month, and then the cash started coming in, and that cash saved us. And that was the biggest lesson for us. Yeah, that was uh, for us. We we two things we learned. One is um, cash is still the king. You gotta yeah. be. Yeah. You got a cash flow. You got a cash flow, uh, no matter what good of a deal you're getting. The second is you need to plan, plan, plan. Even though we came from that corporate environment where we knew that 
we uh, and we were implementing it, but we did not see some of the the loopholes, basically some of the things that were overlooked. So now when we start our renovation projects, when we are underwrite, when we are going through the break with this new deal, that we are going through the loan process and everything, we are already designing our kitchen. We are already understanding what is going to take from us. Do we need savings permission? What do we need from day one? Because since last year, when we when we acquire a property, we do demo and we do we start our remodeling from day one. But then in order to get there, there's always about two months, right? Two, two months, months of planning of material, two months of planning of your plans, uh, the structure, the team, the engineers, you know, the, the plans that you need to make sure everything will be okay on day one and you're not going to get shut down on, you know, 30 days from then. Yeah. So yeah, that was our, <laughs> our biggest lesson learned, thank God we learned it on our own uh, time. And, and quite early. Right and quite early. Day. And now we, yeah. Yeah, we go in, now we, we order like for our, latest deal the material is already on the ship you know it's coming in we already know what permissions to, uh, we need and all that stuff but yeah so that, that time, learned cash flow is king you gotta you gotta have cash you gotta, and you gotta plan your remodeling and your construction whatever you're getting into you really need to plan ahead you you can't demo and then plan really yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so important and but a lot of people don't like they don't think that with us so what you guys the mistakes you guys made are so common and, you know, luckily it all worked out really well. You're able to tap into some credit. You're able to then close on a building that was actually cash flowing and feeding this other sinking ship to allow you to get through to where now you can stabilize it. But a lot of people don't plan ahead. And that just shows that it's so important to be able to plan ahead. And of course, cash is king. Cash flow, you want to buy properties that are actually making money. It's so easy to buy a, a sinking ship like that and think, oh, I'm getting such a great deal. And, and all of a sudden, it's not such a good deal because they take so much more money than what you ever would have planned on. Like, I'm sure you guys looked at it and went, oh, we know it's going to have some vacancies. We know we're going to have some issues. We've got this money put aside. But yeah. then things go wrong. And yeah. all of a sudden, yeah. at 20K a month, bam, bam, bam for... You know, four or six months. Pretty quickly, yeah. No. Yeah. Now we 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 always make sure we have that cushion. You know, uh, we ha we always make sure those hundreds of thousand dollars are kept aside. That's our yeah. safe monies, right? The That's a contingency. We just always have contingency funds. Uh, yeah, you have to. Yeah. yeah. A great lesson to learn on your very first deal. I'm glad it didn't <laughs> knock you. I'm glad it didn't knock you out of real estate. Oh yeah. Because a lot of people. A lot of people would have written it off and said, I'm done. I'm never going to do this again. Yeah. And you guys persevered. You worked through it. And now look at you now. I mean, you're glad you kept on going. But a lot of people would have just let that, that one be the end of yeah, so, uh, just, uh, so it. So just so it ended really sweetly. Last year in December, we bought it at 38 a door. And we got it refinanced for 106. So. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 it was an amazing thing. So It was. It ended as an amazing story, you know. <laughs> And it, it helped us to be where we are today, honestly, because we learned so much out of it. That's why it's very important to get your hands dirty and just do it, right? Yeah. That's the best way you're going to learn and make mistakes and come out of it. Exactly. I love it. We're, we're all about happy, happy stories in this, yes. in this podcast. Yes. So that's Absolutely. great. That's great. Um, well, I, I got a couple little last questions before we wrap up. Um, I want to... I want to know what's a success habit and I want just one success habit from both of you 
um, that really helps you um, or helps you succeed. Sure. Uh, waking up early, actually too, and working very, very hard. I know a lot of people talk about working hard versus working smart. I really have this theory, you first need to work very, very hard, and then you gotta figure things out and then you can convert that into working smart, yeah. right? Yeah, so for I think me, that's so true. Stress has always happened to me when I work very, very hard on things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And waking up early, like Princey said, for me oh, also, yeah. the waking up, we read Hal Elrod's uh, Miracle Morning, you know, and it was, it was a game changer for, for us. And we have two young, uh, young kids, two boys, you know, they're uh, five, there's five and seven. Well, the other one will be seven pretty soon. Yeah. So you can, you can believe there's tons of energy in the house. And uh, trying to, we all, we were looking for that peaceful time where we can knock off a lot of the work. Uh, and, and then focus, right? And focus, right? Get things done, strategy, exercise a bit, meditate a bit. So we started waking up at 4 a.m. Uh, 4 a.m. In, in, in 2017. And for us, that has been, I would say single-handedly, that's a huge yeah. part of our success is waking up early. By the time the kids wake up and we have to get them ready for school, our major chunk of strategy work is all done. Our, our lot of most critical things are already done and then we are, we are a little bit ahead uh, into the day. And, and, and for me, is I completely agree with the hard work, but to give me independent, for me, has been processes. Yeah, so you, you gotta have a process, you gotta, because you can improve upon a process. If you don't have a process, it's, it's, uh, you, 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 won't, you cannot control it, it's, nothing is controllable. So for me, it's very, very important uh, and it's, uh, it's something that, that helped because I, was an, I also trained as an industrial engineer, you know, got into uh, quality engineering and, and, and operations. So it, I've actually fine-tuned this over a lot of years and I completely believe in processes. Yeah, we call him, he's the process guy. So <laughs> Vikram always says, even if it's a bad process, it has to start from a process and then we can improve on it, fix it, right? Beautiful, yeah. I like it. Yeah. Um, what's a favorite book? Um, to, so many. <laughs> Rich Dad, Poor Dad is a, is a great read. You gotta read it every, you know, at once at least every year to keep you in check and keep you focused on your targets. Um, For me, uh, Think and Grow Rich yeah. has been by far the most uh, influential book. And I, we mentioned Hal Elrod, there's, you know, Grant Cardone, 10X, you know, those are very good books. So 10X was something we read in 2017, a little story on that. And, and, and I, I run a lot on the treadmill and I would read it, uh, listen to it. And then I would like, we got this, Vikram, it's okay. You know? <laughs> we, can, we just got to do 10X, right? It's a simple formula, right? But that Think and Grow Rich is, is where it all, the, it's very deep. You know, I put it on a yearly uh, read cycle. Yeah. Every year you get something different out of the book. Even till 100%. today, you get something different out. Probably because it's written back in 19, whatever, 20, and we don't, we don't talk like that anymore. So no, no, absolutely you pick not. Up so many new things after you read it so many times. So. Once you work through the quirks, you get to the foundation of the things, it's, it's, it's a ground shaking. Yeah. 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 Every time it's, uh, because every few months or few years, you are pers uh, you're growing personally as well, yeah. right? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I've read so many books where like the first time I read it, maybe, and sometimes I don't even like finish a book. I'll read it and I'll be like, yeah, I don't know, this book sucks. You know, and then you open it back up and go, I'm going to give this another try. And it's three, four years later. And it was like, whoa, this was an yeah. amazing book. So right. like you say, you kind of change, you kind of grow, you kind of shift. And sometimes you're not, just not ready for a book. 
right. when you read it again a few years later, you're like, wow, that was amazing. I needed that. Yeah. So, um, all right. So last question before we wrap up, what are your three pillars of wealth creation? And however you guys want to tackle this, since it's two of you, you can either each give me, you know, one and then fight over the last one, or you can each, <laughs> give, me, each give me your three. Yeah, yeah I, I think we'll be pretty aligned on this. We might not have to fight it out on this one. <laughs> we'll see, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see, we'll see. I think the um, first one was sure, as Princey mentioned, is hard work. You know, is hard work is the key to success, to, every, every, you know, to any success and every success. You've got to work hard. Yeah. There is no shortcut to success. That is definitely one of the biggest pillars. And then I could jump in. Uh, I'm just thinking of it. I think growth mindset. Mm. You need to have a growth mindset. Absolutely. You, you gotta, you gotta think beyond the problem that is happening right now. Yeah. So, you know, one of the things that I think coach T's mentioned, or, 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 or I forget it was uh, coming from the book, but anyways, when you're looking at a problem, think of it, how you want to be, where you want to be and think from that perspective and say, how are you going to put a solution to this problem? Mm. So, you know, I, I always look to the future, like what is my future me going to say, I handle this problem and we tackle it. I think we always tackle it very, from a very different perspective than we would sitting here right now. So the growth mindset is very, very important because you make decisions that are long-term plays rather than just the short-term, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the last is uh, working smart. Uh, uh, that is you work hard you have a growth mindset you figure that out and now you automate it right you, you work smart on those and then go work hard on another new thing that you haven't done yet and then automate that so i think those are probably our three pillars yeah you gotta eat are you adding any prints here are you good i'm good <laughs> i can't wrap it already though. <laughs> i love it and by the way i gotta mention because since you mentioned coach t for those of you who are wondering who the heck coach t is that's Coach Trevor McGregor is our mutual uh, friend and mentor. So um, last question, how can people reach you? How can they connect with you? How can they uh, get to know you? Sure. So they can reach us at buycapital.com. And uh, Princey and I are both on Facebook. And, uh, and then they can also LinkedIn is another way we can get rid of Vikram Brard and then Princey Gill. Uh, and it's W-A-A-H-E-C-A-P-I-T-A-L.com. So awesome. And I'll put that all in the show notes. And so if people want to, they can see the links right there in the show notes and they can link on and get your website and connect with you guys on social media as well. Right. Yep. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you yeah, for appreciate, appreciate you joining me and have a fantastic rest of the day. Hey, thanks so much for listening. I appreciate you being a loyal listener. Say, I would love to have you go on to our Facebook page and subscribe. Uh, give us a thumbs up. Go on to iTunes or wherever you listen and give us a rating and review. Don't forget to subscribe. But your rating and review just helps us push this out to more and more people and continue to grow our audience and hopefully positively affect a ton of people out there that really need this and, and want this. So uh, the other thing I've got for you is a free ebook on my website. So go on to VentureDProperties.com, VentureDProperties.com and download our free ebook uh, on real estate and on syndication. And I've got some data points in there, some really good stuff for you. So I'd love to have you take a look at that. It's free. I'm not expecting anything from it. 
and, and also, look, if you want some help in multifamily, want some help learning, growing, getting your business off the ground, I would love to talk to you about what it would look like uh, to work with me potentially and see if that's a good fit. So you can go to coachwithdex.com and check that out, and uh, we can definitely have a, uh, a call. Thanks a lot for listening. You make it a fantastic rest of the day. I'll catch you on the next episode.